Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Welcome to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm one of the co-hosts of this purportedly weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by co-host and co-producer, Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Good morning. Awesome, Gary. I don't even know where to begin with the weather. (laughs) I just don't know where to begin. Yeah, right. Um, It's all over the place. It is. And we've got... Uh, rain coming in that apparently is not part of the storm front from Hurricane Laura, but then we might see storm tracking that will be a result of Hurricane Laura. We're going to declare drought condition, and even with hurricane rains, we're probably not going to get enough rain to bring us out of the drought condition. Um, tornado warnings for Berkshire County yesterday afternoon, which we don't see all that often, and certainly not for Pittsfield, it's part of Berkshire County. It's God forbid you try to grow something outside. Right. You know, not not weather related, but talking about other type of, you know, oh, my God, catastrophes. The water main break this week. Yeah. The captain showed me the video as that was ongoing. It looked like Old Faithful. (laughs) We have a geyser in the middle of it. You know, we can chuckle about it, but tragedy averted. Thank God no one was hurt uh, as a result of that. It was a catastrophic failure. But it's better now. Um, For... for most people, <laughs> feel bad for the people's vehicles. The, the water main break is better. The, <laughs> yeah. the ongoing reported vehicle damage, that's going to take a while to clear up. Yeah. Um, did, you see the, did you see the paper this morning? I perused. You know, I, I, I'm picking on this article from the Eagle just because it, it gave me a little bit of a chuckle. Um, we didn't get any calls about it. Which I'm happy of because when we do get similar calls, I don't know why they call us. Uh, but the story about the C-130s, yes, it, I did yeah, see that. Um, you know, I didn't read it, but I saw the headline. You know, it gave me a reminded me of a jingle and a cadence about C-130s rolling down the strip. You ready to go down Airborne? Yeah. Um, I am not Airborne. I I left the military before I went to Airborne school, but we we still sang the jingles. Um, I just the the I you know. Thank God for our military. God bless the United States military. But they do not seek permission or provide notice when they're flying training missions. And although it's unusual to see the C-130s and they haven't still like, figured out what uh, what wing they came from, um, we get the regular helicopter overflights with the Blackhawks that are flying you know, training missions, profile missions. And it's, it isn't as bad in the last couple of years, but a few years ago when they ramped that up, it, people would call the station, call my office, Every time it happened, what are you doing? Like, listen, you know, yeah, you you approved our budget. You know, we don't own a Blackhawk. Well, you must have <laughs> asked for it. I'm like, you know, we do very few aircraft-supported operations. Normally, they're you know marijuana eradication overflights. They do those at high altitude, not low altitude, because they're looking for particular things. Um, and we don't request them. They come in and tell us when they're going to do them. But uh, the belief that. The police department has control over the airspace and that the military needs to check with us is crazy. Is our, yeah. is our guest joining us? I, I see her. Okay, so um, we're going to stop there. I do have another kind of news-related story, but we'll cover it uh, after we finish talking with Ms. Maxson. Let's, uh, right. let's make that happen. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, Great. Ellen. How are you? 
Uh, grateful that Skype worked. <laughs> As are we. So thank you for joining <laughs> us this morning. Uh, our guest joining us in studio via Skype is Ellen Maxson. Ellen currently serves as the chair of the, um, I guess we can still say new, uh, newly reformed, newly created, uh, newly remissioned police advisory review board. They're just uh, coming up on their first full year of existence in the new format. And uh, Ellen and the other board members have been busy for a year, uh, getting up to speed, training, doing ride-alongs, um, learning things about the department, working with us on some recent policy revisions, um, reviewing cases. So we thought, uh, given some of the conversation that had occurred during the budget process and um, after Ellen filed their first annual report, it would be timely to invite her to join us and hopefully going forward this is something we can do on a more frequent and regular basis but thanks for joining us this morning alan yeah thanks for uh inviting me i've been looking forward to this we've talked about it for a little while so this is great and you know with the onset of the pandemic when we weren't allowed to have people in studio it took a little while before the the skype thing um right was, was figured out and then we were basically doing health related stuff for a couple months so i'm glad right, that we're, right. we're kind of getting back to our normal format so right and we're fe we're feeling that way on the board too it's, I, it's sure. a little chaotic for a while so um let's let's just kind of you know by introduction tell us a little bit about you well um i actually i'm rather new to pittsfield moved here um not quite two years ago um, I had been at the Vermont Human Rights Commission as an investigator and educator for uh, 12 years. And um, we investigated allegations of discrimination, one which was included, that included public accommodations and up in Vermont that included law enforcement. So I had a little background in this. Um, and uh, that's about it. We're loving Pittsfield. Very happy to be here. If, if it's not too personal. What brought you to Pittsfield? Um, well, uh, cost of living versus farther south in the county. My partner works in South County, and um, we started there and moved out. But then we also realized um, we liked the size of Pittsfield as we were looking around. Um, we like a somewhat more diverse um, population. And um, we're within about a mile, a uh, mile and a half of walking distance from downtown. So um, it just was looking around and we found something we could afford and liked. That's awesome. Uh, as a lifelong Pittsfield resident on behalf of my hometown, uh, formally and officially, welcome to our community. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be here. So you haven't been a Pittsfield resident for all that long. Um, no. Nope. As a new resident... What inspired you or prompted you to express an interest in the Police Advisory Review Board? Um, well, being retired, um, I had this experience in these areas. My, uh, actually, my brother was a, a police officer in Wisconsin, um, and I just felt that I wanted to be involved in something in the community, and it seemed like this might be a fit. And so can you... Uh, Explain a little bit about the process of how you expressed interest and how you were appointed. Sure, sure. I um, I had heard about it. I, I can't recall if, if one of the members who had already been appointed uh, mentioned it to me, 
I think that might be what happened and suggested I send my resume into the mayor's office. And I got a call and was invited to join, and that was it. I'm, I'm in a at-large position. We have two types of positions. Um, do you want me to go into that a little? Sure. Okay, so we have um, two, four, I'm looking at the list right now, six um, slots that are three-year slots that are designated for specific um, uh, parts of our community, like one's law enforcement, Human Rights Commission, NAACP, faith community, immigrant community, and a youth um, slot. And then there's five at-large spots that um, last for two years, and I'm one of those. And so after the, uh, after the Police Advisory Review Board was formed, um, mm-hmm. there, there was, well, first of all, there was, it, I think when we're doing team building stuff, we always talk about the forming, storming, norming, and performing. Right, um, right. You know, there, there, there was, in the norming. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there was a steep learning curve and a lot to accomplish because the ordinance not only specifies the composition of the membership, but it, it specifies some specific things about training and responsibilities. Um, right. So although you've been in existence and, and, and working, I mean, we've been doing case reviews for almost right. the entire time, there was a lot right. of things to check off to get done. Um, so right. can you talk a little bit about the some of the training that board members received? Yeah, um, it it's, was so much. We First of all, we had um, the head of a somewhat similar review board in Cambridge um, come and talk to us about their process. Um, we had uh, information on use of force on the um, shot spotter. Um, what else was it on? Um, oh, we had, um, there's a uh, social work psychologist who rides along with, um, the comes shows up at some of the calls the police get. I believe, as I recall, he came in there and talked to us. Um, we had a woman from the department come, if, if you can help my memory. So our training uh, officer, Officer Gaynor. Right, came in. And I don't recall what it was she trained us on. Um, not that I don't that's, recall the content. I just no, can't that, remember. That, that was the PERF curriculum, Integrating Communications Assessment and Tactics, ICAT, which we had done, right. we had done as in-service that year. And we're actually about to start next week doing it again. Right. And, and then one of the more interesting things that I really enjoyed was the ride-alongs. Um, we Originally, the ordinance called for us doing to do four of those a year, but um, we quickly found that with the meetings, that especially the first about six months we were meeting every, every two weeks, twice a month, um, we found that four a year was just a little too much um, given you know, other responsibilities, and many people are still holding full-time jobs. So we requested that the ordinance be changed to twice a year. But those have been, um, I've really enjoyed doing that, and it's an interesting insight. So I want to go back to something you you kind of started the training off with, just to expound on that a little bit. So Uh um, you mentioned the Cambridge Advisory Board. And the chair of the Cambridge Advisory Board is Mr. Brian Core. Uh, he's he's actually a, a city employee of the city of Cambridge, and he right. he does double duty. He works with their Human Rights Commission, which is a city department, the way that they're structured. 
and he's right. assigned as staff to their police advisory board um, to kind of provide a degree of confidential and professional assistance because as an employee he he has access to certain things in a personnel capacity that you right. as appointed civilians wouldn't necessarily have um, right right but in addition to his roles at Cambridge he's also mm-hmm. the national president of right. the National Association of Civilian Oversight for Law Enforcement um NACOR. Right. and uh, so he, he did tra- he does training on a national level for organizations or associations similar to our police advisory review board all over the country he came and did some training for us uh, we did some remote sessions with him um but you the board also voted to join NACOL so that right. you could receive their uh, membership materials and have access to their training independent of the training that you're able to get in right. the meetings. Um, so that that was big, establishing a relationship with Mr. Core and his organization. And I know that you've had a follow-on conversation with him independent of the uh, conversation that we facilitated. And so, so have some of your members. Um, and then some of the specifics. So you mentioned that we had to do some policy training. So you know, right off the bat, the internal affairs policy and the internal affairs process, mm-hmm. use of force, some of our other high liability policies. Um, I'm going from memory now, but I, I think we did um, vehicle pursuits and workplace discrimination and harassment. Yeah. Um, and then, as you said, some speci- you know topic specific things. So, Mr. Collins, our co-responder, coming in and talking about the co-responder program, and Officer Gaynor talking right. about ICAT, um, and that w- that kind of like filled out the beginning of your existence before the pandemic hit. <laughs> right. We also just a couple other things. We toured the police station um, as one of our activities, and um just to let you know i have contacted brian a couple times especially um after the george floyd incident um just to have a conversation with him Um, he's a very very as you mentioned he's a very busy person so it was hard to get a hold of him so i did appreciate we probably talked for about 30 minutes and um one thing that i have found in doing just a, a little research on um these kind of review boards around the country is they're all set up extremely differently, <laughs> different <laughs> duties, powers, makeup. So it does make it a little hard to compare. It's like not just comparing apples to oranges. Sometimes it's apples to asparagus or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that because when, um, when the previous version of the police advisory board, which you know it, it was a much less formal and it had much less authority, when it kind of um, just fizzled out, and then there mm-hmm. was some you know public interest in establishing something with more uh, degree of uh, review and and potentially oversight, a mm-hmm. lot of the examples that were put forward by some of the proponents came from other states. With no recognition that whatever you're going to propose or put forward has to align with the Commonwealth's the laws of the Commonwealth and the Commonwealth's Constitution, and so a lot of the things that are done elsewhere in the country, they're they're just not currently doable in the Commonwealth with with the laws the way they exist, and that's not to say that there's there's not room to change the laws, but that's a state legislative issue. Uh, So you know. You've 
you've had some internal discussion about your, your roles and your responsibilities, mm-hmm. and it's a work in progress. Uh, I know you've had some communication with some members of the community about what the board should and, and shouldn't do. And I'm not going to say you're expanding your power, but you're looking to see, you know, what is it you're allowed to do? You've had follow-ups with the mayor. Uh, but I think one of our, your members said, oh, it was in our first Zoom meeting, so that would have been June, huh? I guess. And they mm-hmm. said, it's important to remind residents that the the ordinance as it exists now and the board as it exists now has all the authority you're currently allowed to have under the Massachusetts laws. Yeah, yeah. I think um, being an attorney myself, um, without having everything in front of me, I could say I probably agree, but I haven't, you know, it, I, I trust that that's absolutely true. I know it's true regarding um, us being able to know what sort of discipline happened when there was discipline and that we've had discussions about a number of times at the board meetings, which is a very public discussion. Um, and, and for me, that's very different because at the Human Rights Commission, um, we by statute in Vermont, we had total access if we were doing an investigation to everything. Um, so that's been a change for me to um, get used to. And a number of states since the George Floyd um, death have um, examined, they've, they have that same thing, that same restriction, have examined whether they want to keep that or not. And I don't know what um, the Commonwealth's legislatures are going to do, but it, that is an issue that um, I, I have to say maybe gets a little in the way of us um, making um, recommendations and, and reviewing things, but um, we've found things to to discuss with you, so um, hopefully, so, hopefully we'll figure this all out. It's a work in progress. It is. It absolutely is, and that's that's definitely it. And and as I experienced this last week, um, out, people not on the board and probably on the board too have different ideas of what our actual role is, what our um, powers and duties are. are the, that's a language in the ordinance. Um, you know that, and it might be getting a little cumbersome, but that I took on very early the practice of reading the duties and powers before each meeting. Um, because I think with, with um, citizen groups like this, voluntary just getting going, it's very easy to go off on some tangent that we really shouldn't be on right and so, as you as you said in this week's ahead. meeting it keeps you it keeps you focused right right it, and, and and um and as as we hopefully get more public input which i would encourage anyone listening if they care to share any thoughts ideas experiences to um join us for our meetings but it also helps the public know what we're about and and thereby knowing what we're not about right so we, you know, we talked about the formation of, of the board and the composition, um, you know, the different constituencies that are represented, the at-large members. I have to tell you that this has been um, my third, possibly fourth attempt to have some type of community advisory uh-huh. group uh, in my 13 years as the chief. Uh-huh. Uh, wow. And, and although I appreciate all of the residents that I've worked with over that time um this is by far far the most active and um the the collection of 
residents and citizens that we have that are participating. Um, it's impressive, right? We we have some really great people who are, are from a wide variety of experiences that have committed to this, uh, and they you know they ask hard questions and they've got yeah. varied experiences. Um, I don't want to you know single anybody out, but you know we have one member with a, you know a, basically a lifetime of experience in criminal justice education, um, right? Publisher of multiple books. It's yep. you know. It, he he asks hard questions and it's good yeah. <laughs> um, he does. and you know people need even members of the board um when when you are um a citizen and then you're confronting institutions you have to start feeling safe that it's okay to to ask hard questions right. and i think people are yeah definitely um so one of the things that we've kind of alluded to and danced around a little bit, uh, but haven't really addressed, and it's it's one of the, I think, primary reasons for the existence of the board, and it's one of the primary functions, is your case review process, which, right. which again, is very much a work in progress. Yes, and, it is. And I am mindful of that, because as the, as the kind of person who's responsible for getting the cases to you and your members in a way that is useful to you, but also protective of the due process. Uh, it has not been easy. Uh, I know that there was some frustration right. this week with the second case we reviewed because of the the volume of redactions in it. Right. And uh, you know, it it has. I have found that when we're pushing cases to you as close to the conclusion of the case internally that we can, but any potential criminal matters are still being. Right. heard particularly now because stuff in the court is being delayed so many months uh, right. it got it got a little bit dicey I'm like I need to give them enough information about what we did and found in this case but right. I can't reveal anything that might might come up in court so um, and I, I appreciate your patience with that and I apologize for the degree of redaction in some of these cases but can you talk just yeah. a little bit about the case reviews yeah, um, so I, I'd say on average, we've had about two, once we started monthly meetings, almost every month, That would you say that's about right? And um, they vary from a, a citizen complaining that they thought a police officer was using excessive force to another citizen complaining that um, this person thought they were being targeted because of past interactions with the police. Um, I just want to say that w w from my experience working in a couple large institutions, um, that institutions such as law enforcement turn slowly. So it's, it's to expect um, change to happen quickly um, is usually not uh, fulfilled. Um, but we have seen um, some rapid changes since since some of the um, uh, killings that have happened recently. So, you know, there's always that balance of, and we've had this discussion, is what we're giving you for feedback um, helpful? Will it make a difference? And I think everyone on the committee wants to feel they will make a difference in this role. And I think we've made some... As you mentioned in the annual report, I asked you to 
um, talk a little bit about what's what has changed or what's been helpful. Um, so I don't know that it's, there's been any major influence, um, but I think I think um, establishing uh, trust among um, each other to be able to speak freely, you and us, and um, that that um, things might move a little more quickly if we see things. Because I, I'm assuming that's our purpose, is to bring up things that we see as citizens from a citizen's eyes. And I hate using that because police officers are citizens too. Yeah, but we understand so, the distinction. So I, yeah, I want to yeah. I want to clarify something because I don't want our sure. listeners and viewers to think that we're you know we're investigating and clearing twenty four internal affairs cases a year. The, okay. The the two per month figure that you gave, uh, okay. there was several months that we didn't meet, right? Okay, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, there was some catch up, right? There was some cases that had absolutely. already been concluded that we brought in, and we we sure. average um, the in the last couple of years we average between seven and nine complicated okay. cases a year in the department and you know yes with the review board since you've been formed we've been examining about two or three cases for each of the meetings that you've had um but there was and i think you even brought in in the beginning a couple that were maybe from a different uh, previous year right. just to give us some um as part of the training to, right yeah. to to do it so um and yes we didn't meet um March, April, May, I don't know. I think we started with a Zoom back in June. I think it was June. And and, and July, June and July, we didn't do cases because we had other things to right. deal with. So we just resumed this month. Right. So I just, you know, we're, we're coming up on the half-hour station break. Okay. And I just want to touch on a couple things quickly before we do sure. that. Um, one is, to your question, is it useful? And I'll, I think I'll just point out that... Um, probably the most valuable thing that I got out of the time that we're, we've been working together is the recognition and the acknowledgement that, you know, it, internal affairs is an internal function. It's, it's to find, deal with misconduct or alleged misconduct in the department and take corrective action. But it's also part of our quality improvement process. It's where we find system problems that we can mm -hmm. either repair or train. And as a result, and this is the way I was trained, internal affairs generally is directed at and for the police. And so right. you you very early on pointed out that some of the language <laughs> that we use in the policy and in our investigations and in our reporting mm -hmm. isn't necessarily useful or helpful when residents are now reading the cases, right? Um you know the way that right. we the way that we describe the the um the findings of a case or the disposition of a case, sometimes it's pretty stark and clinical. Uh, right. And, you know, you, you said maybe you can do a little bit more to explain this here. Um, well, yeah, that, exactly. I think um, there were some terms that were being used or there was a question that a citizen had asked in one complaint. And I remember us saying, and I think I was one of the people that asked this, did you answer her question? You know, and um, I think we brought that up in a couple meetings afterwards, even. And um, there was a meeting you came back and you said, you know, I've been thinking about this. And um, and I think I felt there was an awareness that maybe there's uh, a more citizen friendly 
uh, way to address findings. Um, because even though it's an internal thing, it comes from the outside. Right. So that person bringing it from the outside needs to have their concern and question answered. So one part of it is internally, was there a violation of police policy? And on the outside, there's, hey, I felt I, I was, you know, something either bad happened to me right. or I witnessed something. And that question needs to be answered, too. Right. And even I, go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If memory serves me correctly, I think the specific this was the case we were talking about where the operator of the motor vehicle right. was mad that their plate had been run. Right. And, right. You know, when we closed the case, we're like, yeah, we ran the plate. So what? We get to run plates. Right. And your question right. was, but why did you, run, you know, do people know that it's OK for you to run their plate? And, right. you know, my response was like, well, that's not the purpose of this review, right? The purpose of the review is, right. did they do anything wrong? And, you know, it, right. when I thought about it, I was like, most people probably don't know that we can randomly run plates uh, that are right. in the public view. So maybe we should talk about that. Right. Um, right. Real quick, with the last couple of minutes we have left before we do our station identification, um, yep. the, the other thing that you've been involved in or your members have been involved in for the last couple months is we're going through some policy review as a result yes. of uh, the, the recent um, killings and protests. And right. so you've appointed members to work with me on, on going through some of that policy yep. language and look at some other models. Um, that's very much a work in progress. I know that yep. this month's meeting uh, caused some, some questions from the media that you were, you were responding to. Right. Um, and well, and and what I think we realize, and again, this is developed over time. I'll try to be real quick here. Okay. Is that um, it seemed as if we were kind of always involved post decision making or after the fact. And so I think I mentioned in a meeting, hey, what about if if when you said you were reviewing the use of force policy, how about if a member sat in on that and offered some thoughts during the process, which you agreed to and we appointed someone. And actually there's two board members you're working on stuff. Um, and I just think that's something that, that we, a work in progress, we found out that, oh, maybe we could be involved um, during process rather than just after, which, I think it's going to be very helpful. I agree. And so in addition to the use of force policy and specifically the ongoing national conversation around uh, neck restraints or chokeholds, uh, we also included you on an ongoing review of our social media policy, uh, which is right. back, which is back burner to use of force, but also uh, ha has to be reviewed um, concurrently because of some stuff that's occurred right. recently right. that you'll be reading about next month. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds good. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so, Ellen, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate you taking time on a Friday morning. Uh, I think um, you and I are chatting again later today, too, though. <laughs> yes, we are. I've got okay. several conversations today. So okay. um, let's do this again, okay? Absolutely. Thank you for calling in, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye right. now. Have a great day. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives, and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. 
Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Are we back? Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. It's good to see you, Lieutenant. Good to be seen. We, uh, we jumped in quickly at the start of the hour because we had uh, Ms. Maxson joining us. We didn't even get to catch up and chat. What do you got going on for the weekend? Um, that is all dependent on how wet we're going to get. Um, I had, uh, you know, as, as I've discussed before, I, I seem to spend so much time, like, how, doing house stuff. And I've gotten hammered this year with uh, repairs and stuff. So. I, I got to ask, you, the, the college return happened? Yes. No issues? No. Okay. No, so. no that, that went smooth. Although, um, my daughter quickly entered quarantine. Um, she, Did she uh, go to a party? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was, I guess, a kid came on campus who, um, the day after he arrived, he learned that his aunt had COVID, so he had to get tested. He actually got removed from campus, and the, um, the, anybody he got in contact with or came in contact with was quarantined, and because of the tracing they did, my daughter didn't even come in contact with him, but because he was in contact with somebody was in contact with my daughter, it, it went back to, it's a 14 day quarantine. They caught, you know, they, they got in touch with her eight days into it. So she's another six days. So that's going on all over the country. I can't imagine being a student reporting to campus in this environment. Yeah. I, Honestly, I don't know that given my college experience, if, if I had to live through this, if I would have gone back. Yeah, it, you know, and, you know, I was paying attention to, uh, I think it was an article on iBerkshire's about Williams and that they had anticipated 1,600 mm -hmm. coming back and it was, you know, mid-1400s. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to give the impression that I didn't take my academics seriously. I, I took my academics seriously. Um, but I... I don't, this is going to sound, it's going to come off wrong. I don't want this to sound arrogant. I was fortunate to go to some very good schools, but I was below average among my peer group at those schools. Um, and so my focus when I was in school, although academics were important, I was never going to be like the academic rock star at either of those institutions. So my focus was on the, the experiential development part of, you know, I'm not going to say just social. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't partying all the time but my my 
teammates on the wrestling team and the work I did um, on campus as a student security monitor or teaching for the outing club or, you know, facilitating experimental classes. I got as much or more out of my social aspects and my relationship aspects of my experience both at Navy and at Williams. I don't know that I'd want to have done either of them if I if I had to give that up. Well, you know, the, the term the college experience. Yeah. I mean, it's not just academics. Right. It's everything else. You, you know, you're it's an age where you're really um, it you take leaps and bounds in terms of growing and maturity and, and yeah. all that. And, and it's not, yeah, it, it's not just the academics. It's the social, it's the for, um, interactive. For all of our returning students, God bless them and keep them healthy and safe. And, and, and we're looking at a lot of different uh, versions of the return throughout the county for, you know, public schools, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, those are some, uh, some decisions that are still being made and with uh, potential unintended consequences for the police department. Yeah. Stand by to stand by. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, we're discussing the format or the clock for today's program. And we knew we wanted to talk to um, Ms. Maxson and her role as the chair of the police advisory review board. And that, you know, I'm happy with that. That went really well. I think I'll discuss with her, um, making the police advisory review board a, a regular part of this. We'll schedule it and, and you know, have her or other members either join us in the studio or call in. I don't know, maybe monthly, maybe bi-monthly. We'll see how it goes. Because um, I think one of the things that came up in this week's meeting with the police advisory review board is an understanding that despite it's been well publicized and there's been lots of news articles about it, there's just a lot of people who don't either don't know that it exists or don't know what they do. So um, this is another channel that we can use to uh, to get more information out about the PARB and the work that they do. But you suggested that we should spend at least a little bit of time talking about ongoing developments with staffing. Yeah, it, we, um, you know, we often talk about our staffing and, and how it's been a challenge. So, it you know, we started... Um, 10 new student officers this week um, after a, um, you know, a very involved onboarding process. And we've talked about it before, what it takes to hire a police officer. So, you know, after they've taken the civil service exam and we've requisitioned that list and it gets, uh, you know, or after it gets certified, we requisition it. And um, all those steps that get put into place, um, we you build up to that time where we can actually bring those those student officers into the building um orient them for two weeks prepare them to go to the academy which they will be starting i think uh is it labor day day after labor day day after labor day so so i don't want this to sound like you know i've had too much to do and i've been overwhelmed and but um obviously i knew we were bringing on this slate of new student officers right i worked with background investigations and did the conditional offers of employment. And I know the justification that I used to request this size group of new officers. Um, but going into the end of the fiscal year, when I was working on the, the staffing and personnel report, I was looking at it from the perspective of the budget. And so I had sat down and updated the staffing report 
getting ready for budget season. And then as we went through the budget season and there was some of the debate about our line items uh, and then some of the sh- funds were shifted and we, we our authorized strength for police officers was reduced by two and that money was shifted to a new line item. Um, I kind of I kind of changed my focus on what are we going to do for that new line item for the social workers? And I stopped updating the staffing report for a little while and then I went away. Uh, and so I went in this week and I was like, I got it, you know, because we've got this, this new slate of officers. They reported for work. They're coming in. They're getting ready to go to the and the amount of work that has been going on in and around the station, getting them to and from City Hall and to and from the uniform vendors. And Sergeant Mazio is just everywhere. Right. Uh, I was like, I got to get this staffing report. So I updated them. And as I was I was updating the report and as I was updating, I looked, and I was like, oh, my God, because I had never seen this before. Our authorized strength. In the current budget, the, the budget that was approved for this July is 97 sworn personnel. And with those officers coming online and coming on payroll, our number on deck is 97. Now, 11 of them are pre-academy, so they're, they're not working. And of the remaining 86, right now we have five who, who aren't available for duty for a variety of reasons. So, well, it's not fabulous i mean we're still kind of working where we've been for the last couple of years in that note low 80 number it's the first time that we've actually hit authorized staffing in in my tenure um we came close when we brought that last group of 10 on i think we got within two but i have never had the number of personnel on deck at the bottom of my staffing report equate to the number i'm allowed at the top in 13 years yeah it's so i'll take it <laughs> yeah yeah I, you know we're we're chipping away you mentioned sergeant mazio he he has um you know in, in terms of onboarding he's he's done a a great amount of work obviously you know he has kind of taken some of the reins from lieutenant madalena who for so long was kind of the driving force and uh you know behind behind the hires and before that, I think it was, it was most. It was kind of shared among the command staff, if I, if I'm not misspeaking. Before Lieutenant Madalena um, jumped in and and took much more of it on, the background investigation stuff basically existed within the detective bureau, and the rest of it was coming out of my office. Um, you know, we kind of were just tapping people yeah. as needed. Um, so the the current group of student officers getting ready to go to the academy, uh, it's ten new ones and one recycle right so send 11 to the academy uh the academy is still under covid restrictions so the class size has been reduced Uh, i think i think if i remember what sergeant mazio said there's only 24 students in the class and we have 11 of them that's going to be weird (laughs) um and now we've got to start looking five and a half months out because we bring 11 out of the academy we got to make sure we've got 11 field training officers. So now we got to gear up for that. Um, and well, I will keep my fingers crossed and I would, you know, hope and pray that we'll see 11 experience indicates that that's probably not going to be the case. It, you, you can't argue the statistics. Right. It's just the way it, it works sometimes. And, uh, you know, like you said, hopefully we do. Um, we're, it, we, we hope to set everybody up to succeed. Um, but it, we'll see. Got to meet the standards. Yep. Got to meet the standards. Got to finish the training. Yep. Um, so 
that's exciting, right? Getting ready to send this group off and uh, seeing the staffing number, you know, where it is uh, at, you know, for, for however long that lasts. Um, but that's good news. And then, uh, you know, getting this group ready to, to uh, head out, it, you, you haven't been involved in this as much. Sergeant Manzio has helped me, and you had uh, some of the uh, student officers, the uh, pre-academy cadets, help us with this. But one of the things that came out of this is that um, for us to get somebody on board, particularly a police officer, but this happens for all of our, our positions, dispatch, non-sworn, um, there are so many small intermediate steps and you know we all we've worked on it for a long time we worked on it long before i was the chief but the actual workflow process for onboarding uh employee uh it's documented in many places but the entire process is not documented in one and so it happened again uh with the last group that they had gone to the academy gotten out of the academy and we were doing an administrative function not related to recruitment selection and training and i went to enter the software to do the function and they weren't in there and you know i lost my patience and i go back to step like why right? we've talked about this when a new employee comes on these things have to happen uh and basically what we we realized in our systems analysis is that the triggering event for this software didn't occur Right? For whatever reason, because of changes in personnel earlier in the process, nobody bothered to tell the staff responsible for this function. And so um, we've got this thing going on, the kind of this ongoing uh, quality assurance project where we're trying to figure out how many intermediate steps there are between sending somebody the letter and getting them in the door and then getting them out the door to the academy. And I've been at this for a long time. I was doing recruitment and selection long before I was the chief, and I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. And so um, my admin, uh, Ms. Gregory Pilata, she did the initial document. I think it had 40 or 50 steps on it. And I took a second look at it. And when I came back from vacation, I went in. I think I added 20 more steps. I'm like, oh, my God, right? So then we decided we're going to set it up and we're going to have a couple people um, look at it with some fresh eyes so we're moving it and it looked at it and they added three or four more steps that i had missed so i went to move it into a folder where the team could look at it it's wednesday and as i was moving in the folder i was like i missed one and i added a step and as i was typing that step i missed three more right? yeah <laughs> it was like okay so we're going to put this thing where we can all look at it but it there are hundreds of things that have to happen and and some of the things don't make any sense about when we do them so the one that happened on wednesday that i'm laughing about is we needed to make sure at some point in the next week that crime scene services and um evidence and, and property takes their identification photos right when you come on with us, there's a couple different sources of ID that you have to be provided with, and the photo needs to it needs to be an ID photo. It needs to have the standard background, and so Crime Scene Services does that. Um, but there wasn't any schedule like, hey, we got to bring them in and get their ID pictures taken. So we put that in the workflow, right? You know, when do they come in and get their ID pictures taken? And who's responsible for notifying crime scene services, right? So that, that's happening. But there's another project that you've been 
integral in for the last couple of years. It's after somebody comes on the job and gets through training, there's a couple other pictures that we need. Um, uniform pictures and court, you know, court attire pictures. We need them for different purposes, uh, largely for, um, you know, communications when there's promotions or special events or something like that. Uh, it's a hard, hard lesson we learned after the loss of Lieutenant Winston. We right? right. didn't have current pictures of the lieutenant, and that was unacceptable, so we need to fix that. Um, so looking at the the extra pictures as we'll call them right the the duty uniform pictures the court attire pictures like when does that happen and we've always done it after they graduate from the academy and i looked at Maz, sergeant Massey, i was like that's they're here now right have them come to work tomorrow in a suit and take that picture mm. we'll get that out of the way uh and then we said and if we're going to do that sometime in the academy they're going to be sent down to the uniform vendor to pick up their uniforms and then they're going to be ordered to the department to be inspected before they go back to the academy Take the other pictures then, right? We know they're all going to be in the same spot with the appropriate uniform. Why would we chase them down one at a time? Because the, It's the, been a challenge. The last group that <laughs> just got out of the academy, what, it took us two and a half weeks to get all four pictures. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so we're, you know, it's when you're a learning organization, right, you find these opportunities to improve. But um, that has been... That has been frustrating and humbling. Every time I've looked at that document for the last week, something's been missing. Yeah, I, I, I would like to look that over um, because. Oh, it, you're going it, to. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> there are little things that, that they just come up. You know, hey, can you do this or that? That you know, either myself or somebody else uh, o- overlooked, or you know, I, I, like like you you mentioned, we try to get more efficient. Yeah. If if we're do, if we're doing it later, is it something that we can do now? I'll give you another example, right? There's a particular number that all of our personnel have, regardless of what their assignment is. Uh, it's essentially an internal identification number. And it, it has a specific purpose, right? And, and you know, the, the specific pur- purpose has to do with payroll, right? So it's an administrative function, it's administrative number. But over time, that number has been associated with several other functions, all of which are administrative, but they're not financing administrative, they're operational administration. But there wasn't any reason for finance and administration to communicate that number to ops. Well, if ops doesn't get that number, they can't get gas, they can't get in the building, and I can't do a particular administrative function that I need to do because that's the number that identifies them in my software. But there's no trigger to communicate the existence of that number to those other three functions there is now (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so we're excited to have these new student officers coming on board and getting ready to go to the academy Um, we will be doing some introductions uh either in person or virtually to them during their academy time and uh keep our fingers crossed that all 11 make it yeah you know hopefully their academy you were talking about how it is for students college students you know secondary school uh, school students but for um for the academy you know the last academy got disrupted it was completely different absolutely you know from what everybody um has been accustomed to and you know we're, we're very uh I think you know the police is is a very structured ideally we're very structured and 
that that really put a nail in you know it's just, it's just well i'll tell you what um this is a good segue because you were getting ready to to roll into our annual in-service uh and i've had several conversations in the last couple of weeks with officer Gaynor, who is our you know our training officer and training coordinator um in-service is going to look very different Right, the way we we can deliver in service is going to look very different, and how we structure the location for in service is going to look very different. And the topics that we have scheduled for this round of in service, which include uh, ICAT, Integrating Communications Assessment and Tactics, um, Simulator, the, the Judgmental Simulator, and um, Fair and Impartial Policing, Procedural Justice, and Implicit Bias, uh, not they don't all lend themselves to distant learning. Uh, and at least ICAT is going to require some s- scenario-based training. Um, it's it's going to be a challenge. The uh, officer Gainer was telling me that um, the in-service schedule for the year includes, obviously, defensive tactics. It's something we include all the time. But the coordinators don't want certain skills performed because they require too close a proximity. Well, those are the essential skills, right? I mean, those are the foundation skills, right? I mean, yeah, it, it's cool to do the distance stuff on the bag with the baton or the PR-24, but those are rare, right? Doing the escort position to compliant handcuffing, that's daily. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. masks and gloves and hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, it. You, We've said we've talked about it before. You play the way you practice, you know, and yeah, it's you can't it's, you can't go a year without practicing the basics. Right. It's just not going to be okay. So we'll figure it out. Um, we had to uh, adjust class sizes and adjust locations. Um, we might have to add a couple extra days in the in-service rotation so we can move some admin schedule people to a off day so the four on two scheduled people can stay where they are and the groups aren't too large but officer gainer's getting creative she's going to make it work and we will get through in service yep. and we'll figure out uh you know how we're going to do in service for for berkshire as well because uh, that's something we support on that note as i said i had another news related story at the top of the hour that i didn't want to i didn't want to keep ellen waiting online so um it's not news but it's news related uh I had a lengthy meeting in my, I'm going to say mine. I had a lengthy meeting in my office yesterday with my predecessor, my chief, Chief Riello, who is currently serving as the interim administrative chief in the town of Dalton. Yeah. Um, and I don't want this to come off. You know, I was fine. But the minute he walked into that office, I felt very much like a young patrolman being called to my chief's office, which, you know, usually it's the other way around. People tell me when they get called to my office, they feel like they're getting called to the principal's office. And despite the fact that I have occupied that office for over, you know, for 12 and a half years and it's my office, he came in and sat down and it was like a flashback. All the memories. (laughs) Um I have great memories of being in that office with Chief Riello and, and a handful of not so great memories. So uh, it was uh, it was humbling. It was good to catch up with him. He's uh, he's got some he's got some good stuff going on. We're going to uh, we to be doing some cooperative stuff with Dalton PD and supporting them and some stuff. So I'm excited about that. Yep, good. 
All right, we have a couple minutes left. You have been listening to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Um, it's Friday, and it's the weekend, and there is a ton of stuff going on in and around Berkshire County. A ton of stuff. Just do you have, do you have the downtown uh, I have cultural, email in front of you? I have Cultural Pittsfield this week in front of me. So let's see. Uh, oh, the big one. This was this was in the news, and I was I put it off to now. Um, it's tax free weekend in the Commonwealth. Yep. Been putting off a big purchase. This is the weekend to do it. I was reading the Eagle this morning. I don't think about it. it's August, right? You know what our friend from Car Hardware, Bart Razor, says the biggest item that you should be looking for right now is snowblower. Snowblower. Yeah. I would be thinking, you know, I'm, it's still August, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, you know, upgrade my generator. I'm, I might need to replace an air conditioner, but nope. Bart said snowblowers. They're doing some pretty creative stuff with that. Um, so if you do have a big ticket item, go ahead and check that out. Uh, a couple other. Um, if you read the article in today's Eagle, a couple other local businesses doing some real good stuff. Uh, Big concert uh, It's going to be on WAMC, being broadcast from uh, Hancock Shaker Village. All kinds of cool stuff going on in the Common, Tanglewood, and the Common is this weekend. Um, check it out. Check out the uh, Cultural Pittsfield newsletter and get outside, take care of your self-care, have some fun, and have a good weekend. In the 30 seconds that we have left, um, you know, if... You are a parent and you're sending your students back to school in whatever fashion. Um, you know, we hope that that goes well for you. If you're a student and you're going back to school in whatever fashion, good luck. Enjoy the school year. Um, you know, we're in this together. We are not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. So take care of each other. Have a great weekend. Tune in next week for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR 89.7 FM. Thank you.